is done. ISIS is done. Avenatti is done. <laughs> Trump is winning so hard right now. Actually, can someone check on Hillary? Because at this rate, she's going to be locked up by the end of the day. <laughs> That's pretty good. Noah, has Noah got new writers, or did he just get unshackled? Or I think he's just getting comfortable with the role. Like uh, Stepping in the shadow of a giant's not easy to do. <laughs> yeah, true. That was really good, though. Mueller is done. ISIS is done. Avenatti is done. At least the clips we've played. He's been really funny yeah. lately. Yeah, may have to go back to The Daily Show, or at least sample it. I don't know. So, uh, Matt Taibbi, do you know who Matt is? He's I first been, discovered him on the Imus show many years ago. I can't remember the first thing I read of his, but he specializes in very long, meticulously researched, um, heavily opinionated uh, investigative journalism. And he's extremely bright and very, very good. His, his dad's a famous journalist from uh, one of your big news networks. It's all right. I didn't know that. Yeah. I first uh, got exposed to him during the whole uh, the, the, the Wall Street well, uh, the well, I forget the movement now. Occupy Wall Street. That's the one. Occupy yeah. Wall Street movement. Yeah, these blanking blankers and their blanking yachts, right? And he's generally a uh, super lefty on all these different. Yeah, things. I kind of drifted away from reading his stuff because he seemed to just be so nakedly promoting, you know, liberal causes, and it was just a little tiresome. For instance, one of his uh, more recent books is "Insane Clown President: Dispatches from the 2016 Circus." So yeah. he, he's not a he's not <laughs> wow. a fan. No, and insane no, he, clown president. No, one of the That's, reasons uh, dismissive. <laughs> one of the reasons what you're about to hear is powerful is he does not like Trump at all. Can't stand him. No, on on every level. So the title of his piece is "It's Official: Russia Gate is This Generation's WMD." By that he means, and it's um you know in the subtitle, the Iraq War faceplant damaged the reputation of the press. Russia Gate just destroyed it. And as usual, it's long and meticulously researched, and we could spend the entire show on it, and we'll spend some on it. But he mentions that the New York Times, you know, was writing up the uh, the Mueller report and the Barr letter. He says, for those anxious to keep the dream alive, the Times published its usual graphic of Trump Russia contacts, inviting readers to keep making connections. But in a separate piece by Peter Baker, the paper noted the Mueller news had dire consequences for the press. Quote, it will be a reckoning for President Trump, to be sure, but also for Robert S. Mueller III, the special counsel, the Congress, Democrats, Republicans, for the news media, and yes, for the system as a whole. This is a damning page one admission by the Times. Despite the Connect the Dots graphic and its other story, and despite the astonishing emotion-laden editorial the paper also ran, suggesting... We don't need to read the Mueller report because we know Trump is guilty. They actually did have an editorial to that effect. Uh, Baker at, last, at least began the work of preparing Times readers for a hard question. Have journalists connected too many dots that do not really add up? The paper was signaling it understood there would now be questions about whether or not the news outlet or news outlets like itself made galactic errors by betting heavily on a new politicized approach trying to be true to, quote, history's judgment, on top of the hard enough job of just being true. Worse, in a brutal irony everyone should have seen coming, the press has now handed Trump the mother of campaign issues heading into 2020. No doubt. No doubt. You know, uh, departing from Taibbi's text, I would say at the very least, it, it's like a uh, a vaccination of Trump. I mean, if some new story comes up, or, or you know, heck, it might be something in the Mueller um, uh, report that's not prosecutable, but it's kind of embarrassing or nasty or whatever, what percentage of Americans will ignore it? Sure, that's why this is so damaging. Having been duped. 
Nothing Trump is accused of from now on by the press will be believed by a huge chunk of the population. He writes, a group that, perhaps thanks to this story, is now larger than his original base. As Baker notes, and as we've noted many times, a full 50-plus percent of respondents in a poll conducted this month say they agree with Trump the Mueller probe is a witch hunt. Stories have been coming out for some time now, hinting Mueller's final report might leave audiences disappointed, as if a president not being a foreign spy could somehow be bad news. Which is weird, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then he gets into... For years, every pundit and Democratic Paul in Washington hyped every new Russia headline like the Watergate break-in. The biggest thing this unfair has uncovered so far is Donald Trump paying off a porn star. That's a hell of a long way from what this business was supposedly about at the beginning, and shame on any reporter who tries to pretend this isn't so. They still are trying to use it. Well, they they talk about the Stormy Daniels thing in serious tones, talking about campaign finance violations. But we all know how serious that is. Um, the story hyped from the start was espionage, a secret relationship between the Trump campaign and Russian spooks who'd helped him win the election. The betrayal narrative was not reported as a metaphor. It was not Trump liked the Russians so much he might as well spy for them. It was literal spying, treason, and election fixing. Crimes so severe, former NSA employee John Schindler told reporters, Trump will die in jail. The early months of the scandal, the New York Times said Trump's campaign had repeated contacts with Russian intelligence. The Wall Street Journal told us spy agencies were withholding intelligence from the new president out of fear he was compromised. News leaked out our spy chiefs had even told other countries like Israel not to share their intel with us because the Russians might have leverage pressure on Trump. CNN told us Trump officials had been in constant contact with Russians known to U.S. intelligence. And the former director of the CIA, who'd helped kickstart the investigation that led to Mueller's probe, said the president was guilty of, quote, high crimes and misdemeanors, committing acts, quote, nothing short of treasonous. You know, pretty strong language from a CIA director. Yeah, it is. It is. I, I find myself wondering, does this all just fall under the umbrella of the age of hyperbole that we're in now? There's so much noise, so many channels, so much social media that you can't say, you know, I'd respectfully like to point out that uh, your movie dragged during the third act. No, you've got to say, that was the worst piece of ass I've ever seen. It raped my eyes. I'd like to stab you. I mean, is all of this just that? Well, did we hit a bottom or is it just a point on a continuum? Are we going to do this with the next president, whoever it is, similar sort of thing, maybe from the other side? Is this just the way it's going to be? I don't know. I hope we hit a bottom of some sort, like the pendulum reached its furthest level, and we're going to start to swing back the other direction. Yeah, a wise man once said, be careful saying this is as bad as it can get. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, Matt, uh, oh, he, he mentions Hillary Clinton insisted Russians, quote, could not have known how to weaponize political aids, ads, rather, unless they'd been guided by Americans, which is a re- and asked if she meant Trump. She said, it's pretty hard not to. Harry Reid said he had no doubt that the Trump campaign was in on the deal to help Russians. Political ad misinformation has been the Russia's, play, Russia's playbook for decades, oh, hasn't it? Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 They're propaganda. They, they might be the best in the world at it, if we're not. <laughs> right. And then finally, there's never any real gray area here. Either Trump is a compromised foreign agent or he isn't. 
If he isn't, news outlets once again swallowed a massive disinformation campaign, only this error is many orders of magnitude more stupid than any in the recent past, WMD included. Wow, that's a decent point because a lot of people were wondering, was Trump a a willing participant, as in, you know, an agent for the Russians, or did he get, you know, did he get fooled? And he was he was unwittingly um, working with the Russians, and maybe you know just because his campaign was so loosey goosey and he didn't have any experience and that sort of stuff, it turns out the media unwittingly ended up working with the Russians. Yeah, they, they got duped by a lot of information the Russians were putting out there. Sure, disinformation, and, yeah, compromise and, into following this. And they also uh, Taibbi also points out, and this is a really um, a, a really interesting kind of sidebar to this is that a lot of the stories about Russian trolls and troll farms and misinformation and stuff, that was actually not true. But the media was so hot to trot on the Russia angle, they misreported that stuff too. So, you know, where the the, the Russians' compromise begins and ends, I'm kind of unclear on, because some of the big stories you heard about weren't true. They were from this one guy who runs this one company that claims to monitor um, it's like, you know, that Trilby Lundberg, who's always quoted about gasoline prices. She's the one person on earth who has any idea what gasoline prices are and why. And and so she's always quoted. Well, this guy was always quoted on uh, Russian troll farms and stuff like that. Then it turns out his company actually did that in an Alabama, well, Alabama or Georgia, a uh, big Senate race, trying to make it look like the Russians were trolling the Democrat, so it would look like the Republicans were working with the Russians. Jeez, he was now we're doing into, the stuff. Now we're into four-dimensional chess. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, the, oh, the, the super devastating couple of sentences from Matt Taibbi in a moment when we come back. Um, we're also going to talk to Jim about about the Steele dossier. Cool. We're also going to talk to Jim Roop. Apple made some big announcements yesterday, including they got a whole new like TV network they're gonna they're gonna hit us with with some of the biggest names in the history of entertainment wow. on board. Apple going big. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Together, one billion plus strong into a future of our own design, all connected through Apple. <laughs> I find Oprah amusing. So that was the, annoying. That music we played was the music from the Big Apple event yesterday, and then Oprah was there for some reason. We got to figure this out. <laughs> all right. Uh, sure. What the heck? Westward One's Jim Roop joins us. He was uh, covering the whole Apple. What are they trotting out, Jim? A brand new streaming service, and Oprah Winfrey's uh, involved in it. She's bringing back a new version of her talk show. She has wow. a couple of documentaries wow. in the works. Steven Spielberg's involved, Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Aniston. They really trotted out a parade of A-list celebrities to really try to sell this to everyone, although they didn't show a single clip about anything, nor did they say how much it was going to cost. But they really are going after Netflix because the only service that seems not to be involved in this 
is Netflix. I mean, you can get through their Apple TV device and their whole new a la carte situation, you can get you know, Hulu and Amazon and Showtime and HBO, but for some reason, Netflix isn't involved. So they're they're trotting out their own streaming service. Wow, so it's like a steroid, uh, Netflix on steroids, or certainly a competitor. Oprah, yeah. Oprah yeah. bringing back a version of her show seems like a pretty big deal, and then Spielberg's going to put together what? Well, we don't know what, I guess. He's bringing back, He was he was talking about his first... Uh, introduction to sci-fi, that Amazing Stories magazine when he was a kid. That thing's been around since 1928, Amazing Stories. And he wants to produce kind of like a Twilight Zone type of situation, wow. you know, that wow. World War II pilot who gets in his plane and winds up in, in present day. What does he do? Does he want to go back? That kind of thing. So he wants to bring those back. And then Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston have that new show, uh, Morning Show, which is uh, behind the scenes of a TV morning show, Oprah Winfrey with her talk show, where it's going to be a conversation with some newsmaker streamed live all over the world. Okay, so, so clearly original content and also streaming other services. What about their uh, big news uh, aggregator thingy? Oh, the 300 magazines involved in their big news stand. Here's the good thing about that. With the L.A. Times, Wall Street Journal, Time, National Geographic, all these great magazines involved, 300 of them, it would cost you eight grand a year to subscribe to all those magazines, but Apple's going to offer it for 10 bucks a month. So if you love magazines and you have having access to all these different magazines, then this is for you. Again, we're not sure how much this TV thing is going to cost, uh, some are saying it's going to be a little too expensive. Maybe that's why they didn't bring it up. But this newsstand thing, this Apple News, that's pretty brilliant. They also tried out their own credit card yesterday, too, their own right. Apple credit card. All right. So Jim Roop of Westwood One. Jim, we appreciate the report very much. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. The credit card, I'm not that interested in. <laughs> that's, a, I know uh, get one of those. that's a big effort at a network, though, when you got Oprah and Spielberg. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm intrigued. The, the news thing I will get, period. It will save yep. us a bunch of yep. money. Yep. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Do I have to own a Apple certain... Apple clearly moving from devices into services. But Apple TV, do I have to own a certain kind of TV? Or is that just something you subscribe to on whatever TV you have? Uh, no, you can get it through things like uh, your Rokus, your various things that kind of turn TVs into smart TVs. I think your your newer generation smart TVs will be able to have this as, as just kind of an application. It's not so much yeah, a hardware. download whatever app you want. Yeah. Or theoretically. So, a fa- great time to be alive, Jack. <laughs> So uh, back to Matt Taibbi's uh, takedown of the media. He uh, says the Russiagate thing is a death blow for the reputation of the American news media. You think? Um, it was what, what? What was the latest polling? It's close. What was the latest polling on people's uh, trust in the media? Come up with that while Joe's talking. Okay. It was pretty low already. I want to see where it ends up here in a couple of weeks. Very low. One of my favorite parts of the Matt Taibbi thirty pager, at least the way I printed it out, he goes deep into the Steele dossier. And the origin stories of what was the seed for perhaps not all of the Russiagate thing, but it was one of the major factors. And he says, oddly, that origin tale has never has not been nailed down yet. And blue state audiences don't seem terribly interested in it either. Talks about by June and July of 2016, bits of the dossier compiled by former British spy Christopher Steele, funded by the Democratic National Committee through law firm Perkins Coy, which in turn hired the opposition research firm Fusion GPS. We're already in the ether. Um, the Steele report occupies the same role in Russiagate as the tale spun by Ahmed Chalabi occupied in the WMD screw-up, the infamous uh, curveball, right? Who was a McDonald's employee, uh, if you right. remember right, from Germany? 
Some early stories, like the July 4, 2016 piece by Franklin Foer and Slate called Putin's Puppet, outlined future steel themes in circumstantial forms. But the actual dossier, while it influenced a number of pre-election Trump-Russia news stories, notably one by Michael Isakoff of Yahoo, Yahoo that would be used in a FISA warrant application, didn't make it into print for a while. And that's where he explains stovepiping, where a, a government official will leak something to the media. For instance, somebody leaked the the Steele dossier stuff to Michael Isakoff. And then he will call around and say to other media people, if you need a comment on this stuff, I'd be happy to uh, to do that. And then you've got a high-ranking State Department official says he saw the piece and believes there is substance to the allegations. So you leak it yourself, then you comment on it. That's called stovepiping. And I guess that was a big part of the whole Steele dossier thing. And how it came to be in the media is just ugly. So uh, this is from late 2018. 69% of U.S. adults in the current survey say their trust in the news media has decreased. Yeah, we'll see what that number is here in a couple of weeks. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, end of Obamacare. we got a new push going on in the courts. The Pentagon tests out a missile defense system and the future of sport. Esports getting a huge boost. Gotcha. You in sport? You look like the sort of person that would be in sport. But he's not in sport. (laughs) Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. tell you one thing matt taibbi seems to agree with donald j trump in his appraisal of james comey i want to hear that oh it's strong stuff so i went deep into the gallup archives for people's trust in the media it hit a low point in 2016 i'm guessing after the election when everybody thought uh we were fooled 93 percent chance hillary wins it hit an all-time low of 32 percent of people believed the media could be trusted to report the news fully accurately and fairly. 32% all-time low. It has been starting to climb back up little by little since then. Well, it had anyway. My <laughs> guess is we're going to set a new all-time low here in the next couple of weeks. By the way, all through the 70s, well, after Watergate, by the way, all yep. through the 70s and into the into the 80s, it was up around 70%. Wow. Interesting. Now it's down around 30. I'll bet it's in the 20s. Speaking of Watergate, old Carl Bernstein was at the absolute head of the class of people making wild and confident-sounding predictions that Donald Trump was an active Russian agent. He's the anti-Bob Woodward when it comes to nailing down facts. He's a cuckoo nut. (laughs) Let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. That could be the end of Obamacare. The Trump administration says it wants the entire Affordable Care Act struck down. In a filing with Federal Appeals Court, in New Orleans, the administration said the entire law should be struck as unconstitutional. Now, previously, the Trump administration had called only for parts of the law to go. The Justice Department expected to elaborate on its position in a brief later on. In their letter, though, it said the appeals court should affirm a December decision by a federal judge in Texas. The judge there ruled that Congress elimination of penalties for not buying health insurance rendered the law unconstitutional. 
Well, well, right. The the judge said not only is the individual mandate no good, it can't be sustained as an exercise of Congress's tax power, right. which was that head-scratching decision by John Roberts that, right. that he authored. Um, but the judge went on to say the remaining portions of the law are void, too. None of it passes congressional muster at, or I'm sorry, constitutional muster at this point. And previously, the administration had said, we just want to get rid of the individual mandate. The rest of it is fine. Now Barr is saying, well, if the judge says that, we're not going to appeal it. If the whole thing has to go, we're not going to appeal that. So that's the quote-unquote new position. Where that leaves us all, we shall see. Yeah, the case is currently before a federal appeals court. You've got a coalition of 21 Democratic states and the Democratic-led House defending the ACA in that appeals court. Well, I'll tell you what, the last thing the Republicans want is for it to just go away all of a sudden. And they have no, they have not prepared any sort of replacement for right. it. Right. Um, you know, granted, they don't have the House at this point, but um, that would not be a good look. By the way, we had some misinformation about the new Apple TV network. It will only be available on two hundred app the two hundred Apple TV devices. I don't know what that means. And select Samsung TVs. No Roku or Fire TV. Oh, so there you go. Sean but as lied. always, do what's best for do what's best for your family. <laughs> as always, yes. that could have been funny. Could have been, but it wasn't because nope. the timing embarrassing. was embarrassing. First Sean, then you. What's the matter with you people? Oh, boy. Sean is about to dispute this, which will probably be true. Somebody calls in, plays him as an expert. And Apple somebody will text. Apple's revamped TV yeah. app is coming to Roku and Fire TV Plus, Samsung, LG. Yeah, yeah, says yeah. a liar. Yeah, says <laughs> says <laughs> every article You're that I'm looking at. Your credibility's right. blown. There you go. Oh, I yeah, believe yeah. the anonymous texter came out of nowhere. We always like when we yeah. get back-to-back texts from so-called experts that completely contradict each other. The Pentagon says it has successfully tested a missile defense system designed to shoot down a North Korean missile aimed at the U.S. Officials say that two interceptor missiles were launched out of underground silos in California Monday. Both hit targets as they were designed to do. They're, or so they told us. They're calling it a salvo intercept. All right, then. Salvo Either that's intercept. true or it's not. Yeah. Sports and entertainment company Comcast Spectator announced it's going to be building the first eSports arena in the U.S. Oh. It'll be in Philadelphia. The uh, 3,500-seat arena is going to be home to the Fusion eSports team that the Philly-based company owns, one of 20 teams in the Overwatch League. Now, are you familiar with the Overwatch League? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I play Overwatch. I, it's a great game. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so anyway, they're, uh, building, they're building the arena. Yeah, second season, they doubled the amount of teams in the in the league from 10 to 20 this year. Uh, they expect it to keep growing. What kind of money are people making who are good at it? Uh, the contract, uh, easily six figures, I think. For, gotcha. for And growing, yeah, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, but that's smart. They've now built a mecca for that in the U.S., so that'll probably be the quote-unquote Super what Bowl a great site. I- for- yeah, what a great yeah. idea. Yep. Okay, yeah. we'll be the place everybody comes to. Right. Esports where spectators watch players compete in a video with six players battling six others. Anyway, this uh, sport is growing, as Sean was saying, by leaps and bounds. And that's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. I I want more of Marshall describing video games. That was great. (laughs) On video with 6v6. There you go. Why don't you pick up a football, you skinny-armed, translucent little weasels? It's a metaphor for war. Yeah, it'll toughen you up. Couple of broken bones before you turn sixteen. Now that's a sport. Uh, get that CTE going early. That's a man.
Joe will have to rule. I had sworn off late night joke offs, but this one is about the no collusion report, and I'm kind of interested. Oh man, as a uh, you know, just as taking in pop culture, how to handle it. And leading liberal journalist Matt Taibbi agrees with President Trump on his assessment of James Comey. Yeah, I want to hear that. I'm telling you, this one's big. The most self-satisfied man in America is James Comey. No kidding. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Just a um, failure of journalism is just the the whole the whole pop culture everything was going one direction. Mm. Your late night shows, Saturday Night Live, relentlessly for two years, all the jokes at the awards shows, you know, just all that sort of stuff was going in that direction. Do you think it'll change? Well, I don't know. I don't know. You you would think it would, but um. So uh, a couple of notable uh, people like Jimmy Kimmel and Stephen Colbert have gotten good ratings out of going with the. Uh, Trump is a Russian agent angle of the story for the last couple of years. And they had a joke off last night. Well, they didn't have a joke off. They all made jokes, of course, about the Mueller report coming out. We're going to have a joke off right now as we play them back to back. Which Joe grades them. I will grade them. And uh, the lowest um, grade getter will be banned from comedy. Here we go. The Russia investigation is finally over. As you know, special counsel Robert Mueller submitted his final report and concluded that Donald Trump and his campaign did not collude with Russia during the 2016 election. This completely wrecks my bracket. (laughs) I had Donald Trump going all the way to impeachment. I did. Deep down, didn't we know Trump probably didn't collude with Russia because he could never pull that off? And even if he did collude, it probably would have been by accident. Putin wanted him in there and did what he had to do. Basically, Trump got in the White House the same way Lori Laughlin got her kid into USC. This is the best news of his entire presidency, and he can't even bother to read it. What? How long is it? Four pages. Call me when it fits on a hat, okay? <laughs> that made me laugh. Call me when it fits on a hat. <laughs> um, I thought it was interesting. Colbert there, his opening line was, it's the best news of the Trump presidency for Trump. So That was just terrible. It was just terrible. I wasn't looking at the a humor. thing was mildly I just uh, wondered how they would, uh, wherever they would come from it. I see um, uh, there's another joke. I see uh, Trevor Noah, I think it is, says, I owe you an apology. I'm sorry that you're a terrible president. So there. Hey, no. There's your uh, self-examination by the media. So uh, Matt Taibbi, liberal journalist with a scathing, detailed, incredibly well-researched takedown of the media, talks about the... Uh, the uh, how the uh, steel dossier got into America's media. And I think this is interesting on a couple levels. Number one, just on its face, but also how these things work in general. So the, the dossier was floating around and people had it. Media people had it, but they knew it was garbage. 
And so they were afraid to print it, and they needed a hook. They needed a pretext. And this took place just after the election when foreign intelligence officials presented copies of the dossier to both President-elect Trump and outgoing President Obama. From his own memos, we know FBI Director James Comey, ostensibly evincing concern for Trump's welfare, told the new president he was just warning him about what was out there as possible blackmail material. And I quote from Comey. I wasn't saying the Steele report was true, only that I wanted him to know both that it had been reported and that the reports were in many hands. I said media like CNN had them and were looking for a news hook. I said it was important that we not give them the excuse to write that the FBI had the material or something's redacted and that we were keeping it very close held. Back to Taibbi. Comey's generous warning to Trump about not providing a news hook, along with a promise to keep it close held, took place on January 6th. Within four days, basically the entire Washington news media somehow knew all about this top secret meeting and had the very hook they needed to go public. Nobody in the mainstream press thought this was weird or warranted comment. In other words, as he was, oh, even Trump was probably smart enough, he says, because he doesn't like Trump, to catch the hint when, of all outlets, it was CNN the first broke the story of a, of classified documents presented last week to Trump. So somebody in that very, very small secret meeting immediately went to the press and told them it happened. And Taibbi is hinting rather strongly that it was Comey. Wouldn't surprise me. No. And that birthed the Russiagate phenomenon. Comey was right. We couldn't have reported this story without a hook. Therefore, the reports surrounding Steele technically weren't about the allegations themselves, but rather the journey of those allegations. From one set of official hands to another. It's a legitimate news story, if you have a news story, that the FBI director presented this information to the president. Right. How would you not How would you not go with the that? The perfect pretext, he calls it. This trick has been used before, both in Washington and on Wall Street, to publicize unconfirmed private research. A short seller might hire a consulting firm to prepare a report on a company that he or she is bet against. When the report is completed, the investor then tries to get the SEC or the FBI to take possession. If they do, news leaks that the company is under investigation. The stock dives and everybody wins. Wow. Yeah. Then he mentions the same thing happens in politics. And then he gets into old James Clapper, old bald-headed Clapper. The secrets of the sequence of events in the second week of January 2017 will now need to be heavily reexamined. We now know from his own testimony that former director of national intelligence James Clapper had some kind of role in helping CNN do its report, presumably by confirming part of the story, perhaps through an intermediary or two. Why would real security officials litigate this grave matter through the media? Why were the world's most powerful investigative agencies acting like they were trying to move a stock, pushing a private, unverified report that even BuzzFeed could see had factual issues? It made no sense at the time, and it makes less now. In January of 2017, Steele's pile of allegations became public, read by millions. Even BuzzFeed admitted it is not just unconfirmed, it includes some clear errors. BuzzFeed's decision exploded traditional journalistic standards against knowingly publishing material whose veracity you doubt. So, you know, what Matt Tybee's doing here is what journalists are all supposed to do. He's questioning uh, people of authority, all of them, not just the people on one side. Right. He doesn't like Trump. He's also concerned about Clapper and Brennan and, and, and Comey. Yeah, yeah. That's what people like him are supposed to do. 
When somebody who's in a position of power tells you something, you're supposed to say, okay, well, I'm going to see if that's true or not. Right. Or are you just telling me for your own motives, trying to use me? Right. Because governments have done that from time immemorial. But so many journalists have gotten in the habit of, I'm going to question the people I don't agree with, and then the people I agree with, I'll just take as face value whatever they tell me. And print what they tell me. Boy, old Glenn Greenwald is going crazy lately over this. Another Trump hater. Right. Who's calling out the media for being crap, particularly MSNBC and CNN. Right. Especially because he sees the the media as, of all things, and if you know Glenn Greenwald's act, you know how horrifying this is. He sees the media as acting as the lapdogs of the intelligence services and federal law enforcement, the FBI, which has a hell of a history of, of scandal and of injustice. So he thinks the media gobbling up anything an FBI director tells him and printing it as fact and crying out as advocates that it's fact. It has to be fact. Given the FBI's history with Martin Luther King and, you know, a hundred other things, um, he thinks that's just an obscenity. Glenn, he thinks the free media ought to be doing the opposite. Do we have that tape from yesterday still, Sean? Glenn Greenwald is the guy that put out the Edward Snowden stuff in which Edward Snowden told us all you know, the NSA spying on all of us. Right. Greenwald's exposed the government's secrets to a fault guy, like overboard. And as for him being a Russian asset, it's so irresponsible to say that because the reality is that the conflict between the U.S. and the Russians are at a worse and higher level than they've been in many years, probably decades. How can you say Donald Trump is a stooge of the Kremlin when he's right now trying to remove one of Vladimir Putin's client regime states in Venezuela or when he's trying to bully Angela Merkel out of buying Russian natural gas, probably the thing that's most important to the Russian economy. And then he gives several more examples of Trump administration policy that's blatantly, he thinks, unwisely anti-Russia. The point being, if you came at this with the least skepticism, you would at the least say, well, now, saying he's a stooge of Russia, even as he imposes new sanctions and tries to deny them their natural gas revenue, that seems odd. Maybe I'll do some questioning. Maybe I'll look into this, do a little digging. But he is excoriating the media like Matt Taibbi is for being the absolutely hungry for a treat lapdogs of certain figures in D.C. That former FBI director, James Comey, is such a piece of work. I know you talked yesterday about that picture he tweeted of him standing out in a forest looking up at the trees and saying so many questions. Yeah. I mean, he's just, God, the way that was quite something. Lindsey Graham saying, I couldn't agree more. See you soon. (laughs) (laughs) But just, he's so pleased with himself. Well, then add Clapper and Brennan to that unholy trinity. Brennan. Oh, man. He's just, I hope everybody realizes he's radioactive. Well, well, we found out that all these people are human beings just like the rest of us, which I suppose that's good to know. People that run the CIA or the FBI are not a special breed of nonpartisan, always get it right humans. In fact, they're far from it. One more point Taibbi makes that that I think is great is he said, when I actually read the report, the Steele dossier, I was in shock. I thought it read like fourth-rate suspense fiction. I should know. I write fourth-rate suspense fiction. <laughs> Moreover, it seemed edited for both public consumption and to please Steele's DNC patrons. 
Steele wrote of Russians having a file of compromising information on Hillary, only this file supposedly lacked details and evidence of unorthodox or embarrassing behavior or embarrassing conduct. We were meant to believe the Russians, across decades of dirt digging, had an empty compromise file on Hillary Clinton to say nothing of human tabloid headline Bill Clinton. This point was made <laughs> this point was made more than once in the reports as if being emphasized for the pub, for the reading public. And then he goes into Adam Schiff holding hearings on March 20, 2017 that blithely read out steel report details as if they were fact. And he mentions uh, in Schiff's opening statement him reading paragraphs from, from the steel report. And then later Taibbi got got Schiff's people to admit that they had never talked to Christopher Steele, and they hadn't done anything to verify the allegations. Wow, and, that is unconscionable. Well, well, right. He said, I was stunned watching this. It's generally understood that members of Congress, like reporters, make an effort to vet at least their prepared marks before making them public. But no, he just took it and stated it as fact. Adam Bullshiff, as I will call him for the rest of my and or his life. Uh, your plans to kill him, or you think you're going to outlive him, or I don't understand what's going on. Shift was that speech, a threat? I don't think it was. Speech, no. Well, Shift's speech <laughs> raised questions. Do we no longer have to worry about getting accusations right if the subject is tied to Russiagate? What if Page hadn't done any of these things? To date, they, uh, Carter Page was mentioned in the allegation. To date, he hasn't been charged with anything. Shouldn't a member of Congress worry about this? God, I'm glad there's some people like Matt Taibbi who still is skeptical of people in power, no matter who they are, or whether they help his side or not. Right. I, I, I doubt Matt Taibbi was interested in promoting Michael Avenatti as a presidential candidate just because he was laying a few licks on Trump. Right. Like the feverish, feverish American media. Yeah. An embarrassing, an embarrassing chapter. Shame. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.